0: The reading is from St. John's first universal letter. Let us
1: be attentive.
0: That which was in the beginning from which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, Life was made manifest, and we saw it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing this that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin.
2: Peace be to you who read.
1: Being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are in that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have love.
2: good tidings and to all the people. Your In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I spent about an hour and a half or so, maybe a little bit longer last night, preparing a sermon and then when I got home, I was thinking about it. I had a brief discussion with Deacon Innocent last night. I talked to my wife a little bit. And basically it came out that I need to change my sermon. <laughs> but it's not because they heard the first one. <laughs> I think that would have been a good one. But maybe for another time. But they said because it's Mother's Day. And um, you know, I said it's really hard today because we have a lot of things going on. A lot of A lot of topics that we could cover to today it 's absolutely no coincidence that our salvation began with motherhood through the archangel 's announcement to the Virgin Mary that she would bear a child, and on this day where we have a convergence really of so many commemorations. I felt it was important to draw our attention to the one mother that we all share in common, and that is the mother of our Lord. Just this past Friday, we celebrated the feast of the life-giving spring, and that icon depicts the mother of our Lord with Christ the child and living water pouring out of the font, and that living water is Christ himself for the salvation of all. We also commemorate today on May 8th The feast of St. John the Evangelist, who, as we read most recently on Thursday night, was at the foot of the cross when he heard the words from his Savior say, Behold thy mother. And lastly, we celebrate today and remember uh, Thomas, as the gospel reminds us, and the doubt that he had. And it's a doubt I think that all of us share. It's interesting because St. Thomas had witnessed many miracles, even the rising of the dead. And many other miracles he saw Christ performing throughout those three years of his public ministry. And yet, when the time came that our Lord risen appeared to all the disciples except for him, he didn't believe. And you would think of all people, he would be one of the apostles that would believe, even if he hadn't seen it. Because he knew the other ten, Saul... He knew the Meribahian woman bore witness to the fact that he wasn't in the tomb. He heard the story of the two disciples who walked along the road of Emmaus, and yet he still did not believe. And it's really a reminder because I thought about it, and I do the same thing. Because there are many times where I know God has really blessed me in my life, and acted in my life, and yet I still worry I still wonder if I'm going to make it financially or I'm going to make it through the day because I'm not feeling well or a concern about a family member or something else. And yet we've been given so much proof time and time again and yet we still doubt. So I think all of us in some way uh, mimic the the response of, of Thomas. And then of course today we celebrate Mother's Day. In fact, it was on May 8th of 1914 that the U.S. Congress passed a law designating that the second Sunday of May would be Mother's Day. And it just happens that it falls on this day, May 8th. So I wanted to share with you a little bit about the Mother of God, and I'm going to borrow from the words uh, of a hierarch within the Orthodox faith, Bishop Basil of Wichita. I want to share some of the His words, and as you'll hear in the opening lines, uh, he has a deep, deep love for the Theotokos. Mary, the Theotokos, is very close to my heart, and I am certain close to the hearts of all who love her son, Jesus. I can hardly think of her name without tears. When God, in the fullness of time, because of His great love for His creation, sent His only begotten Son to save us sinners, He chose to do so in a way that is at once simple and tender and profound beyond comprehension. He came to find a bride. And God the Father, who is above all and in all and over all, chose to unite Himself through the person of the Most Holy Spirit with one of us the only daughter of Joachim and Anna, the young woman of Nazareth, who had been prepared from all ages to become the bride of God. And she is our boast. She is like us in earthly beginning, and she is like us in her earthly end. She is at once our sister, a daughter of Adam like us, and also our mother. To begin the betrothal of Mary with God, an archangel was sent, one of those who stand perpetually around the throne of God and sing his praises, an angel beneath whom mankind was created, was sent to the house of Joseph, the betrothed of the virgin, and began the relationship of betrothal and marriage and unwedded marriage between God the Father and the young virgin of Nazareth with the words, Rejoice. The hymnography of our church says that when the Archangel was sent, he came in awe and wonder and he stood in confusion in this humble abode in North Palestine, announcing to a creature on a scale lower than his own that she was to become the bride of the Father and the mother of the co-eternal Son. And her relationship with God is our cause for rejoicing. She is our offering, our oblation. She is our Prospero, offered to the Father, from which the Lamb of God will come forth, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In a very real way, she became the first to receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She alone, among all humanity, can say that she not only received Jesus into her heart spiritually, but she housed Jesus in her womb, in her body. To imagine Mary's response to that news of the Archangel Gabriel is beyond our comprehension. We have become so accustomed to hearing the account of the Annunciation that we forget the power and the wonder and the godly fear that must have overcome this young virgin. She was only 14 years old when she said, Yes, and when all creation began its rejoicing at its salvation. Quote, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, unquote, she sings. She becomes a prophetess when she says, Behold, all generations will call me blessed. She whom all generations call blessed and she in whom all rejoices was our offering to God. And we see this in a very well-known hymn from the Nativity of our Lord. The angels offer thee a hymn, the heavens a star, the magi gifts, the shepherds their wonder, the earth offers its cave, the wilderness offers the manger, and we human beings offer the a virgin. Her relationship with Christ was a unique relationship, something that no one else can have. It gives her a unique place in salvation history. Until the coming of the archangel Gabriel to the dwelling of Nazareth The people of God would make pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship God who was present there, and to revere the very stones of that temple. Yet at a moment in time, in an obscure Palestinian village, in a young virgin, that temple that was made of stone became passe and irrelevant. She became the temple, and it is for that reason that we venerate her, She became the temple, a unique thing that gives her a unique position in our salvation. It was from her blood that God took blood. Blood that would become the fountain of our immortal life. Think about that for a moment. It was of her flesh that God took flesh. The flesh that is now offered to us as the food of immortality. Who but Mary breastfed him who feeds all of creation? Who but Mary carried in her arms as mother him who sustains and upholds the entire universe? It was the Virgin Mary who upheld God, the creator of all things, visible and invisible, as he took his steps on this earth. She offered her little finger for a tiny hand to grasp. When the child Jesus, as he must have done, scraped his knee or was hurt by some unkind words of a playmate and wept and came running to his mother, it was Mary who kissed the wound and made it feel better or took him in her arms and assured him that the unkind words and the sadness he felt would pass, that everything would be all right. She brought comfort to God, and when God wept, when Jesus wept, It was his mother, like every mother, who wipes away his tears. Mary wiped away the tears from the face of God. What is profound about this is not just the fact that these things happened, but that Mary knew it was who who it was that she supported with her little finger. She knew who it was who suckled at her breast, whose diaper she changed, She knew who it was whose wounds she kissed and bandaged, whose hurt feelings she comforted, and whose tears she wiped away. Mary knew. In the feast of the presentation, she brought her son to that stone building in Jerusalem that she knew was no longer needed, knowing that he was the Son of God. It was at that time that her sorrows began, though. Forty days after the birth of her only son, the great sorrow that would come to her heart was foretold to her. That there would come a day when his wound would be not just a scraped knee, but nailed hands and feet and a pierced side. That the tears he shed and the unkind words and actions he endured would not just be unkind words of little playmates, but the sentence of death from those whom he came to save. How her heart must have been pierced, wanting to kiss those hands and the feet and the side and the brow, to make the wounds and the pain go away, but to no avail. And how she must have anticipated receiving her son from the cross, now dead. Who among all humankind has offered so much to our God, She offered her flesh to become His flesh, her blood to become His blood. She offered every motherly tenderness, and there's no tenderness like a mother's tenderness. Who but Mary endured such pain? Our hypnographers show us Mary standing at the cross, remembering Christ, the child, when He took His first steps, when He said His first words, And when he shed his first tear, and when he laughed his first laugh, and called her mother for the first time. Imagine now that very human Mary standing at the cross. The Theotokos was overcome with sorrow, seeing you crucified and dead on the cross. And she cried out, How you suffer, my beloved son! The the sword thrust in your side has pierced my heart. My wounds burns with your agony. Nevertheless, I sing your praise for you willingly died to save the human race. In spite of the ugliness she sees and the pain that she endures seeing her son unjustly crucified by those he came to save, she glorifies him. She knows he is God. The only thing that can balance that sorrow is the joy she had three days later when her son rose as victor. Imagine her joy when the angel came to her and said, Rejoice again, I say rejoice, for your son is risen from his three days in the tomb, and with him he has risen all of the dead. Rejoice. It is not a theological proposition, but a simple fact that God became man. He became what you and I are in everything except sin, And for that to be possible, he needed a mother. The honors and prerogatives given to her during his earthly life must pale in comparison to those accorded to her now that he is seated at the right hand of his father and on the throne of glory, bearing the flesh and blood that he took from her. Her flesh and blood given to him, her son, sits at the right hand of the Father and is accorded worship by thousands of angels and tens of thousands of archangels. Her flesh and blood, the flesh and blood of Adam, the flesh and blood which you and I share with her and because of her with our God. It is no accident then that our Lord's first miracle at the wedding of Cana was worked at her intercession. And at her intercession, although the wedding reception is nearly over, he makes over a hundred gallons of the very best wine. When his mother asks, he pours forth his grace abundantly and richly. Who would do less at the request of his mother? Thus Mary has what the hymnographers call motherly boldness. And you know what I'm talking about, right? The boldness of a mother... She has motherly boldness in interceding with her son, and as our mother always, she is always ready to intercede on our behalf and for us. Mary is our boast, our cause of rejoicing, our sister, our mother, and most of all our intercessor. Let us honor her, let us love her, and bring our needs before her with the innocent confidence of children who know that their mother will meet their needs with love. Happy Mother's Day.